Well, thanks everyone for joining with us here today. I'm really pleased to have uh, Dr. Mary C. Lin sharing with us today. Uh, Dr. Mary is a clinical psychologist, an author, a teacher, a podcaster, and she's the executive director of Dr. Lin and Associates, where she leads a team of psychotherapists, of coaches, and of consultants. And she's been practicing now for over 25 years. So I'm really, really glad to be able to have her share some of her wisdom and experience and expertise with us as we talk about mental health here together. So to begin with, Dr. Mary, uh, would you be able to just share with us a little bit about your background and your expertise in mental health? So that little blurb was written a few years ago. I'm actually, I think, over 30 years of clinical experience. Wow. Yeah. I should just stop it after 25 because, you know, after a while, people are going to think I'm really old. So I've been doing, um, well, I have a bit of an interesting background. I did work uh, as um, I did my degree in clinical psychology, kind of the traditional way um, in a secular university. I um, did a fair bit of consulting work. So I worked with leadership development, competency development, that whole side of it. But I also primarily have done a lot of clinical work, and that's in treating people with, you know, various mental health challenges, family issues, uh, marital issues, um, anxiety, different things like that. So that's kind of the bulk of the work that I've done. And in the course of that, I've also, the practice has grown and there's been psychotherapists that have joined and I, I supervise them. I kind of delegate them and they do a lot of the good work. So, yeah, so that's my background. And I should also add that uh, I've been heavily involved with our church for over 27 years. And during that time, I was actively involved with ministry, care ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ended it with three years of actually uh, being on staff as the care pastor. And, uh, and my husband and I have since moved. So that, that relationship has ended because we are living quite a bit of a distance from where we were. But yeah, so there's been a lot of opportunities to talk about and teach and promote mental health wellness and how do we care for people in need. So that's my background. Yeah. And I'm really glad to be able to lean on your expertise for our church here as we talk about mental health and mental health wellness. And would you be able to just share with us a little bit about why mental health is so important to talk about, especially today and all that's going on in the season and the world that we are in? Yeah. Could you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, for sure, what's going on now uh, with COVID and some of the political unrest down south, uh, around the world, I mean, there's just so much that's unknown, so much that's outside of our control. And human beings need to have a sense of agency in their lives. And when that feels like that's not happening, anxiety is the response that we'll tend to have. And anxiety is the sort of thinking that if I can just control my future, everything will be okay. And well, we can't. So then of course, anxiety uh, becomes worse. We're also in a time where I think that people are doing far more than they're physically meant to do. You know, multiple jobs, because that's how they pay the bills, trying to manage kids, homeschooling, whatever it might be. So it's just too much. And, you know, stress is good for us in that it does help us be motivated to work and produce things. But the only good stress is short term stress. And that's not today. So yes, it's even more so important. And I think for the church, we've had um, some wrong teaching around mental health, that that's just something that happens out there or to other people. And that somehow, because um, Jesus loves us and we're faithful followers of Jesus Christ, that we're immune. And I think what has happened is that 
people who do struggle with mental health uh, challenges are ashamed and they don't speak about it openly, or they try to get help and they may get less than helpful advice, like just pray more or read the Bible more. And um, so they kind of go quiet. And then there's that sense of aloneness, like I'm on my own, nobody gets how I feel. And so the one thing if I can encourage to normalize mental health as just as important as physical health and spiritual health and all those pieces, they're so closely tied together. And we can talk about it openly and we can talk about our struggles openly. That's where healing can happen. And that's also where we can support one another. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Yeah. No, thank you for that. And I think that is so very true. And one of the reasons we even want to have this series talking about mental health uh, here at the church, because it, it does matter for us to be able to discuss it openly, to come together. For us here at Bethany, yes. one of our main values is vulnerability. And we can't oh, be... And we can't be really honest then with one another unless we are vulnerable and sharing where we're at. Um, right. and, and so uh, I'd love for you to be able to share a little bit um, about the importance and the role of what does faith and spirituality play in developing and sustaining mental wellness, um, both as a clinical psychologist, but also as a Christian. What are the importance of faith and spirituality in developing our yeah, mental wellness? Yeah, I mean, we are mind, body, and soul. And so all aspects of our life have an impact on our spirituality and vice versa. Uh, on the one hand, when I am working with clients who don't know the Lord, um, I can help them based on scientific principles because, you know, good science is biblical because it is based on how our bodies are designed. And so they are able to achieve some level of growth and healing. But when they don't know Jesus Christ, who is the true healer, it does become, it's, it's, it can only go so far. So spirituality, knowing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that he is our healer, and that even if he chooses not to heal, he will be with us through all of our shame and brokenness and fears, and, and he does not judge us. That is a big part of being able to be resilient to handle life. So that's the, the one end of it is that piece. On the other end, when you um, talk about um, mental health without including spirituality, um, science is now showing that um, people who involve their spirituality, and it doesn't necessarily mean Christian, but mm -hmm. just their faith, they have shown a much better recovery, not even just with mental health issues, but also with, um, with uh, uh, physical issues, uh, recovery from surgery and cancer and different things like that. I mean, our spiritual life is really, really important. Mm -hmm. So um, it's so intertwined. Um, but it, one should not be forgotten um, and, and just ignored with the other being emphasized that it's, it's combined. Uh, the other thing I would say is I have seen that when people long to spiritually grow mm -hmm. um, and they do not consider their psychological, mental health, uh, personal growth, it always interferes with that spiritual maturity, always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so even if you think that your mental health is relatively okay, but you really don't spend a lot of time processing your emotions or your triggers or your um, abuses or trauma, or you're not tracking with where there's brokenness in your relationships, uh, then it is interfering with your ability to really mature. 
Um, mm-hmm. So God often uses those or allows those things to happen so that we can come before him with these issues, take ownership for it, take steps to grow in it so that we are freer to live our spiritual life in a healthier, more mature way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful and so needed to remind ourselves mm-hmm. that we are really fully integrated beings. That's what the Bible talks about. And yeah. that uh, we need to bring our whole selves to God and even to one another in community talking about these things. So yes, mm-hmm. thank you for that. And I would add to that point, um, health and integration isn't perfection because frankly, this mm-hmm. side of heaven, it's not happening. We can't um, treat people to, so they get to the point where they're absolutely symptom-free. Sometimes you can, but a lot of times you don't. So it is uh, integration is the grace and the capacity to hold on to the good and the bad, the strong and the weak, the unfinished business that we might have, and to be okay, to have peace, and to also have hope that in that messiness, Jesus is with us and Jesus will see us through that. So we don't always have to have the answer. You know, I was just talking to a client and he was just insisting on getting clarity around the diagnosis. And there's many factors with that. Um, But that might give him sort of, okay, I now know, but it actually doesn't bring healing. It's because it's the ability to to accept, okay, I, uh, as a follower of Christ, Jesus is with me. He's going to open doors. I'm going to... research. I'm going to meet up with people. I'm going to go get counseling. I'm going to look at medication. If I need, I'm going to do what I can do to be as healthy as possible. And that this will also help me in my spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think it is so important for us to just, yeah, remember how Christ is a part of all of these things and to be following him in each aspect. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, can you share with us as we kind of talk a little bit more about um, mental health and mental illness and wellness? What are some signs and some symptoms that you or a loved one is struggling with mental health? And then what can be some practical steps that can be taken for that? Mm -hmm. So broadly, um, people have mental health issues if they're not functioning. And what I mean by not functioning is they can't seem to handle the daily routine, the expectations of life, whether it's school or work. So that's sort of like a broad way of looking at it. the, the other aspect of it is if you see significant changes in the person um, where their uh, emotions are either all over the place and it doesn't seem tied into uh, something going on outside uh, or the emotions are completely flat um, or they're so anxious that they're staying back at home and they can't leave the home. Um, they can have also impulsive actions. Uh, sometimes they may speak in a way that um, doesn't make a lot of sense. They can speak very quickly uh, and it's hard to track with them. Just anything that seems kind of unusual. But even then, you know, I think we need to have tolerance for the different, for the quirky, um, because people are just that way. So the bottom line is, is this interfering with that person's ability to thrive, to function in their day-to-day responsibilities? And that's what I usually think, um, talk about. Uh, now, when it comes to kids, kids don't typically go, oh, mommy, I'm feeling really depressed. Um, they typically don't tell you that. But what they do is they tell you through their behaviors. So if you're starting yeah. to notice differences in your kids where they're acting out, where they didn't before, where they're having a lot of trouble uh, c- controlling their, their 
temper, um, whether they are doing well in school and all of a sudden they're not doing well in school, uh, whether they are crying all the time, talking about not wanting to live. I mean, you'll see signs like that. Um, a lot of times, though, like I said, it's acting out behavior, angry behavior, which, of course, tends to get an angry response or a negative response from others. And the very thing that the child needs, which is empathy and connection and care, is sometimes not the thing that they get which causes things to escalate. One thing about kids as a side note, when they're at a point of escalation and you come in and you're trying to manage them, they are so hypervigilant to any cues in your voice or in your body language that you're upset with them. You just have to have a little bit of tension in your voice and it could cause their emotions to increase even more so because they're in this hypervigilant state. And so you need to be like underreacting under upset and just are super calm. And once things calm down, then you can problem solve more. So uh, I digressed a little bit, but I did want to make sure that parents had some thoughts around how to manage kids. Um, uh, there, there are resources that I can um, leave with you um, of different books that can help with kids with uh, mental health issues. I do have that mental health guide that I've passed on to you as well that um, you might want to make available to your congregants. Yeah. yeah, we definitely will um, make that um, guide available to um, our, our people here at Bethany. But I really think that is really helpful, especially talking about, um, you know, when someone isn't able to thrive in their daily life. Or I know for par many parents, uh, this past two years have been quite a challenge with kids at yeah. home and in different situations and seasons than we were kind of expecting. Um, and so um, as we've kind of uh, talked a little bit about mental health and mental illness, um, what are some of the things that the church can do to be a supportive place, to journey with people in um, and through mental health and wellness? Because I know, um, I think at least our, our current climate has not made this easy to journey together and the stress, as you even shared, has been higher. So what is it that we might be able to do as a church and a community to support those with mental health challenges? Right. And I, I personally believe that the church is probably one of the most important supports for people going through mental health challenges. Um, you know, we are meant to hold those that are struggling, who, that are weaker than us, um, to show grace and compassion. Now I'll tell you, having uh, worked with a number of churches, there is very rarely a church that says, oh, I don't wanna help. The majority of the reasons why churches don't respond is they don't know how to, or they're mm -hmm. scared to. Oh, I don't want to make it worse. Um, you know, we need to hire like nurses and psychologists to handle it. And this level of care I'm talking about, I'm not talking about professional care. I'm talking about being able to be present with people in need. You do not have to answer their problems. You do not have to fix it. A lot of what they're going through is chronic. And so your immediate response to that particular crisis moment is not going to do much. And in fact, by the way, there's very few crises that actually require that type of immediate response, unless somebody is dying or something severe is going to happen if you don't respond right away. Most people feel they're like they're an emotional crisis because they feel overwhelmed and maybe they're having a bit of a panic attack, but that's not actually a crisis because it's not dangerous at that point. So the best thing you can do if you are interacting with somebody like that is to give them empathy. So empathy is this wonderful gift that the Lord has given us that mm. actually calms the brain. So remember that dysregulated brain I was telling you about with that kid? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like the um, 
the uh, brain has been hijacked. And so empathy, just a calm voice, warmth, your presence, praying for them, not giving them answers, not telling them what to do, just being with them. Uh, that can go a long, long way to calming them down. Hmm. And then practical support. Uh, can I call the doctor for you? Uh, I'll go with you uh, to your appointment with your, your therapist. I mean, just, you know, I'll help you out, get you some bus tickets, things that are well within the realm of what a, a, a church family can do. Um, and not to be scared and not to feel that um, you're backing away. The majority, like large, large, large majority of people with mental health issues are not dangerous. And they may act unpredictably, which can be scary, but they are not dangerous. They're in fact, more likely to be the victims of dangerous crimes. And so they really need our help. Now, having said that, you're not the therapist. So you're not meant to carry them to this place of healing. You're just walking with them and you're going to do it as a community because often their needs can be far more difficult for you or too just too, too much burden that to do it within a community where, um, you know, he, the, the person has go-to people would mm -hmm. be fantastic. And again, okay. don't have to answer their questions. So I talk about the three P's prayer, presence, practical support. And you see okay. counseling is not part of it. Don't give advice <laughs> unless you're a trained therapist. And then I think you have some resources that you're going to offer your uh, people with, with local referrals that they can go to. Yeah. And I love that idea of the prayer, presence, and practical support, because this is something mm -hmm. all of us can actually offer to someone, exactly. right? Like we can be compassionate. We can be in the moment with them. I love the fact that Jesus himself says that at his heart, he says at his heart, mm -hmm. he is gentle and lowly, or he's gentle mm -hmm. and compassionate. So yes. if we're following him, we can, we can display this exact same presence with those uh, around us. So Thank you for that. And science shows it as well. So there's a study, a very interesting study. They had people standing in front of a hill and they had to estimate how tall that hill was. So I'm making up the numbers because I'm numerically challenged. You know, it was like a hundred meters or something like that. Then they put a backpack, about 200 pounds of rocks on the back of that person. They look at the hill, it's 150 meters. It's gone up. And then the third condition, the only thing they changed, they didn't take the backpack off is they had somebody next to them who just stood next to them that they knew cared about them. They didn't even say anything. They didn't help carry the rocks. Mm. By virtue of that person standing next to them by their presence, that mountain was back down to 100. It no longer seems so intimidating. So just knowing that somebody is with us, even though they can't fight my dragons for me, it just makes me more resilient to be able to fight my dragons, just knowing I'm not alone. Yeah. And I think that's what the church can offer, right? Community exactly. together. That is traditionally exactly. what church is actually about, coming together to support one exactly. another. Uh, so yeah. I think that is really beautiful. And then um, mm -hmm. the, the last question um, I want to ask you, and this is more than less talking about us as a community as Bethany, but more individuals. What are some practical ways for people to continue to invest in their own personal mental wellness? Because as you shared, we're integrated beings. This is what the Bible talks about as well. So how can we personally kind of invest in our own personal mental wellness? Yeah, self-awareness is really key. Uh, right now, I'm seeing burnout uh, like unbelievable. Um, mm. You know, we have this, this, this wrong thinking that uh, strength is just pushing through. 
and mm. and overcoming our body's limitations is just keep on going and going and going and, and you know we get reinforced for that in the church even now this whole thing about i'm doing for the lord how can i stop and so we have a lot of burnt out people so being aware paying attention to what your body's telling you paying attention to what your emotions are telling you it's a really good place to start but i would also say that you know just like we do daily hopefully daily <laughs> maybe not but daily physical exercises you can actually do daily emotional or psychological health exercises um i have a happiness hacks chart uh that's on my website so if you want to kind of put a link to that and it just kind of goes through the science of what we can do for ourselves so as an example endorphin that's a natural chemical that our brain releases to relieve pain physical pain as well as emotional pain and it's as easy as crying that releases endorphins having chocolate which may be more fun okay. uh exercising i mean they're just simple things to do that release those happy hormones for you and can ease um your your mental health. So if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're also self-aware and tracking your boundaries related to your physical limitations. You're resting when you need to be. Um, then that's already a fantastic thing. And the last thing I would add is that you are making a priority to have connections with people because we oh. are relational beings. We are meant to connect. And I know it's super challenging during COVID, but if you only had one or two trusted people that even like I have chats online with my friends, I don't even get to visually see them, but just tell them what's going on. I know they're praying for me. We joke here and there, all of those things, that point of connection so that we feel less alone, that mm. also builds our resilience. And I would say then if all of that, and you're still feeling like, Mm, something's going on, I'm not myself, then please go and get a referral from your doctor to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist to get an actual assessment and get some, um, some help along the way. And that's what I would love to encourage people that mm -hmm. there is truly hope. I mean, I, have, I wouldn't be in this business 30 years without mm -hmm. knowing that there's so much hope and healing that can happen and incredible growth. Um, it's a privilege to be able to walk with people who seem like th that, that today is their forever and things will never change and to meet them down the road and just see how free they are mm -hmm. and just how much joy they're experiencing because they did the work. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is the absolutely right kind of way to kind of close our time together, that there is, that there is hope, there is hope mm -hmm. and there's healing and there's transformation that can happen. And I want to yeah. thank you so much for being willing to share some of your expertise with us and to be able to lead us in some of these conversations around mental health and mental wellness. Um, but before we go, if I might ask one thing of you, um, would you be able to just pray for us and pray for our church here at Bethany? Um, sure. Would you be able to pray for us that God would continue to move within our church, but especially that people might find um, that help, that hope and that support that they might need? Okay. Well, Lord, uh, thank you that you love us, every single bit of us. Thank you that you created us in hope and in beauty and in purpose. And thank you that you well understand the pain of this world. You understand the struggles that we experience and you have great compassion for us and empathy. Thank you that you have not left us alone in our suffering, that not only have you given us your spirit, but you've also given us each other. And so, Lord, uh, thank you for Pastor Andrew and for Bethany and their desire to care well for their people, to, especially during this time. 
So Lord, would you bring the right team members, the would you give people courage to be vulnerable? Will you uh, enable those connections to happen so that people can get the help and the hope that they need? And would you protect them, Lord, during this time? Would even though this is a time of high stress, that there would actually be unusual favor mm-hmm. um, with you, uh, with each other, within the community, that your light would shine in such a powerful way through the people of Bethany. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for sharing with us. We're going to have all sorts of different links to your resources on our website for our people to be able to make use of as well. But I want to thank you so much for being able to come and to share with us today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Andrew.